give me one shot here on a blue chip stock, believe me, Kevin, the only problem I'm going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What is good, NBA Draft fam? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street, the Draft Act. NBA Draft Podcast. I am Corey Tellaby, your host, alongside my co-host, Albert Garbage Time. Gim, Albert, how are we doing this week? Dude, it's a good day. It's a good, good day. I am doing well. We we had a big day at No Ceilings today. Mm-hmm. Dropped a dropped a big old board. Yes, sir. Um, got some good traction on that. Um, busy week overall, but yeah, man, feeling good, ready to go. Excited to talk about this dude. Um, we're, you know, we're kind of riding off the coattails of Rucker and his breakdown video of this guy, but oh, yeah. we're going to give a different perspective, a different, different intel on this player. And we're hoping uh, you guys are ready to rock. I'm good to go, though. I'm feeling good. How are you doing? Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Um, I'm good to go as well. You know, my my basketball team, we lost a uh, an overtime game tonight. So, you know, I uh, I wish the, the result had, had been reversed there, but we were down 19 early, fought back you know, made some plays, but that's, that's the way it rolls sometimes, you know, Can't, I, I love the, love the fight we showed. That's sounds like a New York basketball team there. <laughs> it's, it's going around. Um, all right. So obviously, uh, if you clicked on this episode, you know that we are covering Kendall Brown from the defending national champion Baylor bears. Um, Mr. Brown, uh, is a wing, uh, currently 18 years old, will be a very young, 19 on draft day 68205 according to an interview uh, that he did with pro insight he says that his wingspan is six foot 11 inches he has a reported 40 inch vertical uh so far in this young season mr brown is averaging 13.4 points per game 3.8 rebounds per game two assists 1.4 turnovers 0.4 blocks one and a half steals per game this is where it gets really fun uh, as we get to his percentages. And just to remind you, again, we're very early in the season. 71.9% overall field goal percentage. 57.1% from three. 73.3% from the line. True shooting percentage of 75%. He has a PER of 30. Absolutely monster stats from Kendall Brown. I'm assuming... Those are going to drop a little bit throughout the year. That's why I want to cover them somewhat early in the process. Uh, and, you know, people are, are interested in them. And like you said, we're, we're riding Rutgers coattails. Let's get into the stock prices. Preseason, he was unranked on ESPN. SB Nation had him at 23. He was unranked at Tankathon. Basketball News had him at 25. Bleacher Report had him at 19. He had an average stock price of 31.6. That ranked 29th on the Draft Act IPO. Currently, ESPN has moved him up to 19. Tankathon has him at 10. Basketball News has him at 8. Bleacher Report has him at 18. And No Ceilings, again, we released our big board on the No Ceilings Substack. Subscribe to that for free. Has him at 8. That's an average price of 12.6. He jumped around 16 spots. Jesus. It's a big jump. It's a big jump. That's why I wanted to cover him. 
So, Albert, I ask you, is Kendall Brown's stock price too high, too low, or is it just right? Boy, um, at this point of the season, with what we've seen, and we're projecting that it kind of stays the same or gets better, obviously the shooting, I don't think it could get any better uh, than what he's shooting now. But, um, yeah, I'm going to say 12 is a little high. Uh, sorry, a little low. Uh, okay. Wow. A little rustier or something. Um, I, I, I actually, you know, I don't know, man. I don't remember where I had him on my board. No, I definitely I had do. a top 10. I definitely you had did. a top 10. You had yeah. him at eight. I, I, pff, wow. Look at Corey with the, yeah. with the yeah. research he knows. So yeah, I'm going to say 12 is too low for me. I have him at eight on my board. I like this guy a lot. Obviously we're going to talk about why I like him so much. I think you like him too. I don't remember where you had him on your board. I do. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to say 12 is a little low for me, just a tad. Okay. Um, I'm okay with the price. 12.6 is, is a fine price. It is a little high for where I personally had him. I had him at 16. Okay. Um, and I think that he's obviously a guy that can continue to rise, even if his percentages um, kind of – drop a little bit you know obviously i'm not expecting them to to continue being in the 70s and high 50s from three so even if they just normalize i i still think he has a path to kind of dropping but it's going to entail him showing some things that maybe i haven't seen yet that we'll get into i don't hate him being at 12.6 because i think that while we're early and we're not in conference play i do think that there are enough prospects that have shown enough that we can get you know that this early ranking. I know that, you know, Mr. Mr. Rocker hated that we had to do a, a, a cumulative big board so early at no ceilings. Um, but I think that it's an important exercise, especially, you know, our show is based on monitoring the progress and, and stock price of these kids throughout the year. So uh, obviously we have to go that route, but it's, I'm fine with it. I'm not mad. It's basically back end of the lottery and right. he's certainly a lottery talent. But I think in this little area where we're at here, it feels like from maybe that 10 to 14 range, 10 to even 18 range, there's a whole bunch of guys that could go in any direction, up or down. So uh, that's why this is going to be a fun one to follow throughout the uh, you know the cycle. Yeah, I think that's totally, totally fair. And to be honest, like with where I'm at with him now at eight, um, this is, we're talking about very early in the season. He could drop right. on my board. He could rise on my board. He could be all over the place. Same for you, same for us as 100%. a, as a collective and no ceiling. So yeah, I actually think what you said makes more sense than what I said. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's why, why we do it. Um, all right, let's get into the scouting report. We let's start with the shooting. If you look at the percentages, you think, well, it's clearly mm-hmm. his strength. Uh, I I did a reaction to ESPN's top 100, although I only cover the top 30. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I talked about Kendall Brown, I did a little thing. I was like, I'm not sure about the shooting. Mm-hmm. And somebody commented, like, what, like, what is there to be concerned with about oh. the shooting? Mm-hmm. Right? You know, like, it's the percentages are there. Oh, I'm concerned. I'm. Well, how about this? Concern might be strong. Okay, but I'm um, I'm going to be tentative in my evaluation of it. Is it real? 
I'm mean, let's start here. Is his is the shooting ability real? Not at this level. Not at this level. Okay. <laughs> not so ignoring, not even close. Ignoring the yeah. percentages, yeah, just yeah. in general, is the shooting yeah. real? Uh, I have I actually have major questions. Um, major, major questions. And and for me, it's not like for our listeners out there who criticize, like that say, like we just agree all the time. For me, it's I, I think you and I are kind of on the same page here. But I actually, you know, for me, I, I actually have something like that I directly want to speak to with him. Um, I don't love the the, the shooting motion. Um, okay. Number one, and then number two, the biggest critique that I have in shooting wise, uh, Corey, his footwork is really inconsistent. Like really, really inconsistent. When you watch him make threes, his foot his footwork is generally pretty good. But when mm-hmm. he misses, dude, his feet are like this far apart. Like okay, you can so like you pencil. know exactly. You know when he's missing because his feet are like right next to each other. It looks terrible. His footwork when he misses. And so for me, I, I, where where I'm gonna agree with you 100 percent is that like. Obviously, and also for, for the people who are just going to look at the percentages, like, what are you guys doing? I think he ha- he's not our, even attempting. Our listeners are smarter than that. Our yeah, audience is I, smarter than that. He's not even attempting one three per game right now. That's, I think he's that's at like 0.9, right? Like, yep, the, 0.9. You, you, you guys have to, not you guys, but people out there, please, like, think about the context. Think about the bigger picture. He's not taking that many threes. Um, I, I think the shooting motion, he needs some help. I, I think the follow through, sometimes he has a follow through, sometimes he doesn't. If that comes and goes sometimes, I feel. But the biggest critique that I have is the footwork. Like when his feet are this close together on a miss and you just go, well, buddy, you know why you missed that one. Your feet are just, come on, what is that? Um, so, but once again, like these aren't like major flaws to his shooting. So that's why I say I have questions, I have concerns, but I'm not saying that I think he's a non-shooter. I actually think yeah. he could eventually be a pretty damn good shooter. Not that he'll ever be the second coming of Clay Thompson or, you know, be at the level of a guy like Caleb Houston or Max Christie or whatever, or Hyun Jung Lee. Uh, but um, I, I do feel like eventually he could be a pretty good shooter. And if he can become a 36%, 37% three-point shooter with all the other tools that he's got, that's pretty lethal. So uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead, Corey, and agree with you and say I, I have some concerns for sure. Okay. Yeah. So like you said, it's 0.9 attempts a game. Like even, you know, talk make or miss. I mean, he's taken less than one. He's taken less than 10 threes overall at this point in the season, right? I think that his stroke is actually pretty projectable in a positive way moving forward, right? I think that when you look at some of the shots that he does hit, especially when he has time, mm-hmm. I think that it looks pretty smooth. It's a fluid motion. I think the follow through sometimes it it feels a little uh, rushed up top, but mm-hmm. yeah. it's I think it looks decent. And he's got good touch. You know, he's got good, he showed good touch from all over the floor. You know, he's not shooting a million free throws by any stretch of the imagination. I think it's like a little over two, but he's at 73%. So that's not bad. You know, it's not like he's, you know, 55% from the free throw line. I'm pretty, I'm actually, I think, pretty bullish on him as a spot-up shooter. In a, like, can you just make a shot off, you know, a weak side hit? Right, mm-hmm. it's not like you're going to stick him in the strong corner, most likely. Yeah. So, it, I'm pretty bullish on that. Obviously, 
he's not going to hit 57% of his threes. Nobody does that. It's impossible. I don't know if he's going to end up around 40%. If he shoots oh. low volume, yeah. maybe he does, mm. you know, but I would like to see that volume go up a little bit because I think that's um, a major question mark in his game. And if he can answer that, it's a whole different construction. Um, now, I, I don't think there's too much to his shooting. Like, mm. and and we'll talk like when looking at his off the the dribble shooting, uh-huh. we're not really going to get much, right? But if we make that a little bit broader into talking about kind of self creation, mm. how do you feel about his ability to to create his own shot in any form <sighs> or fashion, whether it be you know in the mid range, yeah. How do you feel about that overall? Well, uh, something I'll, I'll say is th- there were a couple possessions where he went off the dribble and had a little nice little mid-range pull up. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Not bad. Yeah. Um, Love to I, see I, it. Yeah. Like, I like the handle on him. Mm, first step is wildly quick. Um, this is a, We're talking about a very explosive athlete here mm-hmm. in, in Kendall Brown. Um, I think right now, though, Corey, something that I think we do need to mention is that people are running out to him on the three-point line like he's Clay Thompson. Did you notice that? Like, I was watching a couple of the games, and people are closing out on him hard. And I was like, this is the case right now. I don't think that's going to be the case forever. You know, eventually, I think, you know, people are going to realize that he's not like a dead eye shooter. So, yeah. sorry, just going, but I, I just kind of want to throw that in there. But I, just going back to your question, there have been little, little moments, right? Little, 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 you know, uh, moments where he has created off the dribble. I think he's using his quickness. He's got a pretty good handle. Um, but obviously, like shooting off the dribble, we have to see more of. There hasn't been heavy volume at all. I think. I mean, if there was like a shot chart, he's probably like what ninety six percent dunks right now, um, and everything else is just kind of <laughs> little, you know, a little sprinkle of this, little of that. Um, but yeah, yeah, I will say once again, the handle. I like his handle. Uh, first step is really quick, uh, from what I saw. So I think there's potential there, but we're not. T- I, t- I one million percent, we're not think we're not talking about a Devin Booker here. Um, yeah. In terms no. of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, no, 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 no. Um, yeah, I think there might be some potential, but we have to watch a little bit more because of just like the nature of how he's being used right now by Baylor as well. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things like the reason I want him to be able to up the volume on the shooting and I want teams to have to run him off the line in some capacity because I do think that his handle is really smooth. You know, I don't I don't think that he's. Kyrie Irving, you know, but I, I think that he's got a smooth and functional handle where he could do a little bit off the bounce. So if he is run off the line, I do like how he can create. And if he could hit from multiple spots and not just be a guy who's got to get all the way to the hoop, that obviously, you know, adds a dimension to his game. That's really interesting. Now you don't want him settling for those shots because he is so efficient around the hoop. And, you know, you mentioned how, how many times he's dunking with that athleticism, but I also think he's doing a, a good job show, uh, showing touch on oh, yeah. kind of like floaters and, you know, right. reverse layups and all he's very crafty around the the rim and his touch is so good. Yeah. Right. And at least it has been so far. And again, I don't think the percentages are going to keep up as high as they are. Um, 
but I think that he is going to be a guy who shoots a, a super high percentage just because he can kind of get to certain spots on the floor and finish efficiently by dropping in smooth little shots if he's not dunking the ball. And that's nice because, you, you know, if he was just a guy who needed to dunk it, you know, be in the dunker spot or whatever and just only could dunk, you know, we're talking about a, a way different prospect. But there's a reason that he's been shooting up boards, and it's because for as simple and basic as his game may seem on the surface, there are these little nuances to it that make you go, oh, that was crafty, right? right. And honestly, you know, I, I remember watching some of his high school tape, and I kind of feel like I didn't see a little bit of that craftiness. Now, I wasn't, <clears> like, diligently watching hours and hours and hours of his high school film, but from the little I watched, he just looks like a much more confident player in who he is and, and what his strengths are. And maybe that's a good thing in, in a, him going to Baylor playing in such a, a system that allows everybody to play to their strengths so effectively. I think that was a, a you know a good good job by him. What do you think about like his his off ball movement? Yeah, I mean, you know, we we t- we at Corey, we talk a lot about shooters here, mm-hmm. offensive players. We we like to highlight the shooting, but with with Kendall Brown, the off ball movement, baseline cutting, reading the strong side stuff, and reacting appropriately on the weak side, it's phenomenal, dude. Yeah. That right there is the headline with this guy. I I can't. I lost count in terms of the baseline cuts that I saw this guy make, and he just catch an absolutely rip two-hand dunks at the rim. And have you noticed that he makes it a point to keep his head by the rim every time on these dunks? <laughs> like, that's, like, his thing. Like, he wants to show everybody that he has to kind of tilt his head on dunks because uh, he gets up so high. Um, yeah, he's also got the hair. Stuff. He's got the cool hair. <laughs> that, that too. He does have the cool hair. This is just a really cool player. You He's just you cool. just mentioned Corey the nuance about this game about his game sorry his game specifically his off ball stuff is unbelievable like mm-hmm. truly truly un- unbelievable and and on both sides like off ball offense off ball defense this guy is electric absolutely yeah. electric you can tell that this guy is a thinker that that's the thing that I really enjoy about his game. I feel like not that he's overthinking the game, but he's properly thinking the game. And I love that about him. He reacts so well to what the ball handler is doing uh, on both both ends of the floor once again, but especially on offense, like when he doesn't have the ball and he's on, he's in the corner, weak side corner, whatever, he's just, dude, like it feels like he's, as the old saying goes, he's playing, he's playing chess and he's not playing checkers. Like Mm -hmm. that's what it feels like. He's making reads like two, three, four seconds ahead. And that's like a lot of time if you think about, professional or you know what what do we call college like semi-professional sports i have no idea they're but, they're um, referred to as amateur sports oh, if they're amateurs jesus christ <laughs> what the hell am i um <laughs> it, look yeah. albert uh, the yeah. ncaa is mm-hmm. based all around their love and passion for mm-hmm. amateurism god damn okay Fuck those guys i'm so hard yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway uh cory i'm Dude, I'm with you. That well, actually, you haven't even said anything yet. I just kind of went first, but um, I know what you're hinting at, and I know why you brought this up because I think you and I are definitely um going to be really high on his off-ball stuff. I was yeah. amazed by it. I really enjoyed it a lot. Rucker did a great job breaking that down in his video, but even if you didn't watch Rucker's video, you could see like this guy is special. 
Yeah, it's it's the IQ, it's the understanding and timing of when and where to be, when to cut, when not to, when to stay out of the way. I love it all. And the passing, you know, Ooh. I think I, uh-huh. I think that people are going to possibly make like some Scotty Barnes uh-huh. comparisons yeah. at some point. And I'm a little tentative to hop so far on that bandwagon because I think that Scotty Barnes had a much um, bigger role in handling the initiation of offense, right? Whereas I think that a lot of like the passing that Kendall shown that's been so impressive is like read and react coming off movement transition transition yeah you know stuff like that whereas you could put scotty in a bunch of ball screens and he's going to make the right decision the majority of the time now with that said i i have seen kendall run some ball screens some side ball screen action some nice like overhead one live dribble passing to the roller nothing uh super sophisticated has caught my eye but just enough to go okay, you can probably mm-hmm. run some really interesting things with this kid mm-hmm. if you're, you know, wh- whoever is uh, your coach. Like, if, if you have a really clever offensive coach, you know, he, he goes mm-hmm. to a Minnesota or, you know, the, the Clippers with Ty Lue or, you know, any any of these really fun, yeah. you can run some stuff with him. He's got yeah. that versatility yeah. to his game. The passing, the passing is just another wrinkle. And you know, I think that he had that ten assist game early on, and that opened up some eyes. Low turnovers, right? And you're like, right. wow, like he's a guy that could fill it up all over the place. He hasn't necessarily done that on a consistent basis, and he doesn't have like a high usage role in the offense. <clears throat> but yeah, I'm I'm intrigued for the future <clears throat> of this season and what kind of passing and playmaking flashes he could show. Dude, I'm a million percent in agreement with you. I think the role that he's in, if anything, Corey, you said that, you know, like in terms of like him doing like the ball handling and, you know, in screen situations or whatever, I actually really liked when they used him as a screener. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, there were a couple of times where he would catch the ball in the short roll yeah. and he was making reads. And, I, and the thing that really impressed me, there, were, there was a possession when they were playing one of those uh, schools like with, with a weird name, not like a Dixie, but uh, well, it's like arc something. I don't remember the name of the school. Anyway, one of those <laughs> yeah, like smaller. They schools. all sound made up at this point. I know, I know. Dixie Hills is my favorite, or whatever the hell the name of that school was. But um, they were playing one of those schools, and he was a screener in some pick and roll action, and they threw it to him in the short roll, and like it felt like he was manipulating the defense with his eyes. Like it felt like the whole defense, like they were on him, and he was just selling stuff with his eyes, and he threw a pinpoint pass to the to the weak side corner, and I was like, that play alone is more than enough for me to get excited about this kid because if he's doing that now and they can run that type of action with him as like a six eight super bouncy athletic type of guy and he can make that type of read and and manipulate the defense with his eyes like that I was like wow that's really good I agree with you that he's not Scotty Barnes because he's not I really don't know if he'll ever be like the initiator but if he can be a guy like that in the short roll like Corey, we talk about all these playmaking bigs and them having to have the ability to make plays in those situations. Watching Kendall Brown do that, I was like, oh, that's why we need to get excited about his passing. Also in transition or like when he's attacking the rim and it's like two on one situation when he's getting downhill and it's just him and the big and then he's got his big in the dunker spot or whatever. 
he is so good at anticipating whether the big is going to come out on him or not. And he throws these like inch perfect passes with mm-hmm. really good timing and touch. And those moments I'm soft. Like, mm. I'm like, this is so freaking good. And there are a lot of like, you'll, you'll people will watch his highlights and there's a lot where you're like, he's jumping in the air and then he'll like whip it around. Like those are good too. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Those are really, really good, but he doesn't only do that. Because I think it's dangerous when guys can only make the pass like off the jump and stuff like that. But that's not the case at all. He's so savvy and really good. He's got this like innate clock in his head where he knows exactly when to throw the pass or to attack the rim. Him in transition is spicy. It's really, really fun. I think he's so good at like manipulating things with his athleticism. It's like he knows that he can leverage his athleticism into an opportunity either for himself or his teammate. That's awesome. Like on the college level, you have a six, eight wing doing that. That's exciting. And I think that's why I had him so high, but I just wanted to piggyback off of what you said. I a hundred percent agree. I think Scotty Barnes is a little bit of a stretch, but he's going to do a lot with his passing. That's going to get people excited. For sure. And like you said, it's the highlight stuff, but it's also the very nuanced stuff. It honestly, he reminds me a little bit, and they're, it's way different, but I, some mm. of the passes he makes remind me a little bit of like the feeling I got watching Mobley as a passer last year. Cool. You know, and obviously like Mobley, mm. a lot of he, he's able to do a lot of it because he's so tall and he could see over the defenses and he's making these whip passes. It's definitely it's definitely different because they're completely different players. But just the kind of like pot like shock that when you first watch it in a good way is the same thing that I think, you know, the first time I watched Mobley and you were like looking for these skills and you're like, Oh, he could also pass like this. What, what is this? So that's kind of like what I get out of Kendall Brown. I mean, you know, we've glossed over, we've kind of buried the lead here. His transition game is like the most fun thing that he has in his bag. And he's, he's got a bunch of fun things. I, I love watching this kid run the break and it could be with the ball in his hands or it could be him running the wing, running the pipe. I mean, whatever the case, wherever he is, whatever lane he's filling, I love it all. And I want more of it, and I want it all the time. And he's so good, and I, you know, it's one of the reasons, again, him playing to all of these strengths, why he's been so efficient early on in the season. Yeah, dude, I a trillion percent agree. And in transition, you really get to see how coordinated he is. Like yeah. he's a supremely coordinated athlete. The way that he runs, the way that he moves is forget about the fluidity, which is unbelievable. He's so damn quick. Like it makes no sense to me how quick he is, even in short bursts and long bursts or whatever. He's so quick. It's not just fast. He's really, really quick and explosive in that area. So I'm with you in transition. He's a blur. He's dangerous. He can pass in transition. He can, I think Rucker in one of the, the posts that he, he showed, Sorry, one of the clips that he showed in the video, it was like in transition, nice little like step through, yeah. gather, dribble, whatever On thing. The right and it was wing. like, yep. exactly. It's beautiful, dude. And then, as you yeah. mentioned before, the soft t- touch at the rim, it's like, ah, uh, this guy is actually terrifying in transition and does so much more than just jump high and run fast. The nuance, as you mentioned, is a big part of his transition game. That's a lot to love. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. And, you know, I'm just like, you picture him running the wings in the NBA alongside some of these point guards that the league is loaded with. And you just get, you get some bright ideas in your head, right? Or you, you picture him running alongside, you know, some of these playmaking wings that you could just see him getting so many easy baskets, just running the floor. And 
I mean, that's with all the space and as fast as teams want to play that athleticism, that ability to get up and down the court is such a positive. I mean, you know, there was a one, one play today that I watched um, where he finished in transition and then the other team got the ball in quick, got out, ran a break and he came over and blocked the shot all in the span of like 10 seconds. Now, one of the other help side defenders on Baylor came over and fouled the, the guy. So it ended up with two free throws. So, you know, he won't get credit for that necessarily, but the effort to run the floor both ways, literally doing like a wind sprint in practice, like going end to end was super impressive. Um, So I, I love his ability to get up and down the court and, and just you add the IQ and his ability to pass. It's unbelievable. Uh, Anything, anything that we're missing from his offensive game that really Mm. caught your eye. That really caught my eye. Because I do Not think really. that I think that his offensive game is somewhat limited. I, it I, limited seems like the wrong word, right? Because <laughs> he does a lot, but yeah. it's very cut and dry. Okay. Okay. You know, he's not. Here's one of my concerns with his offensive game. Okay. Okay. And I'll, you know, I kind of have to go into. I'll give away my kind of one of my comparisons. Now. And we'll save yours, I guess, unless it's the same one, which would, you know, then would, in which case we'll just do that segment now. But like, I see a little bit of Aaron Gordon in him, right? Oh, okay. You know, it's kind of six eight, bouncy, can pass a little bit, mm-hmm. right? A little, a little bit better handles than you probably think. But one of the things that I felt like kept happening in Orlando with Aaron Gordon, they kept just trying to make him a small forward. They tried making him this wing that could be a scorer, and he wanted that too, right? Instead of just making him this utility, do-it-all defensive stopper who could like run the break, make cuts, score efficiently, play make out of the short roll, like you said, and just play this really simplified game. Now, Kendall Brown's kind of playing exactly like the perfect world Aaron Gordon plays and I think you saw that a little bit when Denver was fully healthy for a short amount of time where he could just sit and thrive in that role mm-hmm. but I wonder if there's a team out there that is going to look to draft him and be like maybe we could turn him into you know Paul George you know like whatever they wanted Aaron Gordon to turn into rather than kind of this utility wing who could just star in his role I wonder how much more he has to his game that he's not necessarily showing that he'll show off in the NBA if he even has that and and what the the risk reward is for having him kind of try to develop those things instead of just perfecting what he's awesome at. Mm, I think okay, first off I want to say the Aaron Gordon comp is awesome. I'm actually really jealous of that comp because I was really Dude, I actually really struggled to find a cop for Kendall well, Brown. Aaron Gordon didn't um, play in the '90s, so I knew you you didn't you wouldn't come up with him. So I actually didn't even have a '90s guy because, like, I can't imagine anyone in the '90s really playing like the way that Kendall Brown does right now for right. Baylor. Yeah. Um, so uh, you're gonna hate this. I actually said DeAndre Bembry. Um, so the reason why I said. <laughs> 
I'm like laughing at my own comp. Um, but we might as well just do it now because you brought it yeah, up anyway. Yeah, all right. So if you're um, buying stock in, in, in Kendall Brown, maybe you bought stock in Aaron Gordon or DeAndre Bembry. I was thinking like a more athletic, um, potentially better shooting DeAndre Bembry. Because like Bembry, when he came in, like the whole deal with him is like 6'6 guy. He can play make. He can dribble the ball a little bit. He's going to do, as you just mentioned, right, the utility aspect of his game was like the kind of the calling card with him obviously DeAndre Bembry wasn't ever number eight on anybody's big board um let alone ours um but yeah you never know draft twitter gets wild sometimes (laughs) sometimes twitter goes crazy if you ever had DeAndre Bembry on your board at number eight don't talk to us I'm just kidding kidding. no I think um, I do want to talk to you even more so (laughs) but okay so I was thinking like yeah, like he could be a utility guy, but like a better version of that, right? He's a little bit taller than Bembry, obviously jumps way higher than Bembry. I think eventually, you know, could be a better shooter than him too. But yeah, that's just kind of like where my head was at. Like, I, I don't know. I was thinking of random people, like <laughs> the junkyard dog, Jerome Williams, you know, like just weird oh. people were in my head. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I just no, but you see, like I, I that yeah. one you could kind of see. You want, you're hoping that, <laughs> Again, like Junkyard right. Dog was just like mm-hmm. the garbage man. Like you right. want him to be like the superstar version of the Junkyard Dog in your right. head. Right. Jamario Moon, whatever. But um, I'm with you, Corey. Like I, I don't know what his ceiling is. And the terrifying thing, as you mentioned, is if a team goes like, we're going to make him the next, uh, I don't know, Tracy McGrady. It's just not going to happen. That's not yeah. – there i really don't believe it's going to happen but um okay but let me me ask you this is there Mm -hmm. i don't know i mean we've been shooting for the stars you know tracy mcgrady uh paul george is there any chance he develops like a tobias harris level offensive game yeah that's a really good question Tobias Harris, the ghost of the NBA. Um, Long Island Zone. Long Island. Where is he from? Hicksville? Right? Is he half, from Hicksville? Half Hollow Hills. Played half it, Hollow played Hills. It, okay. play, played it Half Hollow Hills West. Mm. Um, I mean, Tob- Tobias Harris can shoot the hell out of the ball, though. Um, will yeah, he ever I, get he to can. that level? Yeah. On volume. But th- can he develop some of those skills? I guess is my question. God damn. Maybe. Maybe. That's what I'm I, saying. I don't like, want to say not, no. Yeah, damn. I don't want to say no. I'm not mm-hmm. – I, I wouldn't bet on it. But I don't know if I'd want to say no either. Exactly. This is actually – He might really... get his points in, in different yeah. ways. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, could he could he eventually be the guy in the Tobias Harris role on, like, this version of the Sixers? Damn, Corey. That's actually There's a really a good question. Yeah, There's there is. I, I, yeah, I won't say no. It. There's a chance. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Potentially. Okay. Let's talk about his defense. Um. Now Baylor, obviously, just an awesome. They're going to be an awesome defensive team, right? And they're going to recruit players that they know are going to fit in and be awesome defenders. Uh, What do you think about his ability on the perimeter to defend? Okay, so from from like a macro sense, I think defensively, I had a lot of questions to ask you. Um, okay. 
obviously because you know you're you're the you're the coach you're the resident coach of our pod i actually had like real questions that i wanted to ask you um okay. i think perimeter wise uh, we'll start there because for me i had more questions about like other stuff defensively but per, as like a perimeter defender he looks kind of terrifying mm. like last week i was talking with um oh my god i almost did it again wow last week i was talking to metcalf I almost called him Rucker again. I, I think you did. Is the issue? Wow. No, no, I didn't. I it was. It was I said a <laughs> run and I stopped. Uh, <laughs> he's gonna hear this too and give me so much crap for it. Um, I was talking to Metcalf and we were talking about that kid Slater um, from Villanova and the type of defender that he is. With you know him being so strong, he added a bunch of mus- muscle, but he's still good laterally. Uses his wingspan well. I think Kendall Brown is a guy who you can see, like, I think his NBA physique is already there. Like, I think he's going to add a little bit more muscle, but he's already like really well built. Like he's a physical specimen, but he moves his feet so damn well. And he has some of the most active hands, I think, in college basketball, like defensively. His hands, he is a poking machine. He's a freaking, he is a... (sighs) He's a very conservative Christian on his on his wedding night is what he is with his hands. <laughs> this guy, <laughs> this guy's very jabby with those hands. And um, but it's it's good. <laughs> it's good. He's got really good hands. I, I, you mentioned the wingspan. I actually had no idea what his wingspan was. But I thought I his, his, I honestly, it surprised mm-hmm. me because I thought he kind of I don't want to say oh. he looked like he had a negative wingspan, but I almost felt like he, he it mm-hmm. would have like measured out almost even. But yeah, maybe if, if it's plus three and, and it's coming from him. So who knows? Uh-huh. Let's wait until right. the official measurements. You know, That's you true. ask a guy how you ask a, a basketball player how tall they are. And, you know, unless they're a seven footer, they're probably going to add a, at least an inch. Right. Yeah. Unless so you're we'll Kevin see. Durant. But um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, the seven yeah. footers, they want to be, you know, six yeah. eleven. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I, super jabby, super jabby yeah. with his hands, which I like a lot. But um, I do have some questions for you later on defensively because I, you know, I'm not in love with him as a defender. I like him a lot as a defender, but I have some questions because, like, okay, on the ball, great footwork, jabby hands, freaking so quick laterally, and then off the ball, he reads stuff really well, like Rucker mentioned, right? Does a really good job of reading what's going on there. My question for you, Corey, was a guy who's six eight who's that athletic, who I think is pretty well built physically. I don't like that. He only has three blocks on the season Mm. uh, was something that I wanted to throw out to you and ask you about. And then number the other question, I know he's had some big rebounding games. How do you feel about him as a rebounder? Because it's, you know, I'm not seeing him box too many people out. He feels more of like a opportunistic rebounder more than anything else. So those are my two questions for you. I kind of wanted to get some insight on how you felt about that because how he ends up defensively on the interior can then, we can then start to wonder about his versatility in terms of guarding one through four. So yeah, I wanted to ask you that. Yeah. So on the rebounding front, my note is I, I, I need him to attack the glass harder. So I, I think that um, a lot of times kids in high school that are more athletic than other kids tend to just jump, just jump, because if you just jump, you're going to get the board. And the ultimate goal is to get the rebound, right? So how many college, uh, high school coaches are going to tell a kid who's already getting the rebounds to like box out instead when that recipe success, most of these guys, they just want to win. 
So I, I feel you on that. I, you know, the amount of rebounds he has, and look, he's only playing 23 minutes a game, right? So he's kind of in a similar spot to like Scotty, Scotty Barnes or Patrick Williams was where some of these raw numbers look low and, you know, you want, you look at like per 40 or per hundred, whatever, and maybe they look a little bit better. His rebounding numbers are still a little soft in that regard, even when you extrapolate it out a little bit. Now, part of that, maybe it's the the scheme, you know, maybe he's a, a lot of times he is playing out on the perimeter, so he's not going to grab as many rebounds down low. But I do think that with that athleticism, with kind of that that body that he already has developed and he's 18 still, um, you know, ultimately you want him to be a little bit better of a rebounder. Now, in the NBA, a lot of threes, a lot of long rebounds maybe it's not as big of a concern because it was actually something that I had a little bit of a concern with, with Scotty Barnes last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he's been a better rebounder in the NBA. So I, I'm not super concerned about it. Um, something to monitor, something you wish that he was better at, but let's see how that kind of develops over the course uh, of the rest of the season. That's why he's such a fun prospect to do early. Cause right. he's, as funny as he is, he does have these, these little things, uh, right. as a defender, I, yeah, the blocks, you know, look, if, if he's going to be kind of a wing defender, I versatility is, I think what makes him such a fun defender. I think that he can mm -hmm. guard point guards. I think he can guard power forwards right. and in a pinch against certain matchups. I think you can, you know, even, I think he can guard one through five in certain matchups. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, yeah, you would you wish that he can come over from the weak side a little bit more often, use that bounce. But that's partly why I like I look at the wingspan and he doesn't look like a shot blocker. You know, he doesn't look like Peyton Watson. He doesn't have that length that you see where you're just like, whoa, like he can come over and, and get stuff from behind, get some for wherever. He kind of seems like the type of guy that he kind of has to time it perfectly mm. or really come over from the weak side and like send it into the stands type of guy. Like right. that's the kind of shot blocker he would be. But I do like that. He's averaging one and a half steals a game in, you know, the 23 minutes a game, whatever he's yeah. playing. So yeah. I, I'm not super concerned uh, with that. Um, I don't need him to be a big time shot blocker. He does a mm -hmm. good job contesting, staying solid. And I right. just love his ability to move around the floor. I mean, Baylor, Baylor does such a good job putting guys to succeed. They running that no middle, you know, defense and uh, just mm -hmm. icing guys to the sideline and their rotations are good. And it's just so hard to get good shots. And um, when you have a guy like him who could switch and will switch mm -hmm. out to other guys and, and send them to the right spots. I think he's defensively. It, it's almost like, yeah, you want him to be able to maybe block some more shots. Yeah. You want him to rebound harder, but right it almost feels a little nitpicky when mm -hmm. when you're really breaking it down. Now, the whole point of following the draft, the whole point of this podcast is like being nitpicky and finding the flaws and figuring right. out if it's something that you could really fix and and how high does that potential go. But I'm I'm in on his defense because I think he's just so versatile schematically. Mm -hmm. Dude, I, I'm with you. One last question that I had um, for you. I think if you watch his games, like he's going to have two or three moments per game where he's, just unbelievable in the passing lanes. Um, yep. He's got great anticipation, stuff like that. Do you, do you worry? Are you a little bit concerned that he gambles a little bit too much sometimes? Or do you feel like he's got like a really good balance with that um, in terms of like, you know, when he's playing those passing lanes? 
I think that he's got a good balance with it. And I think that when you have a good defensive team who knows how to rotate, that's a good point. You're, a, you, you know, you're allowed to gamble more. Often, right. 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 Because yeah. those gambles, they're calculated. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're just gambling and you're breaking out of the scheme entirely mm-hmm. and you don't have guys behind you that you could trust to step mm-hmm. in and recover because he can gamble, but the rotation's going to be there. And by the time the ball moves, he'll be rotated onto, you know, the, the place that he's supposed to go. So right. I, I think a player like him, like you do want him to create havoc in the passing lanes. You do want him to get these opportunities because he does score so efficiently and he can make plays for everybody else. So if he can get some easy points, just getting deflections and, you know, some of those hustle points, those winning plays that really, you know, matter when it gets down into a close game and you have guys behind you that, you know, are going to be there to, to get your back. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I, I just, I thought that, yeah, it wasn't that I thought he was gambling. It's just, it was like a question in my head. I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, like he's really good. And you know what? It, like when you, when you mentioned the context, I think that really helped me to understand why he is like unafraid to take those gambles. As you mentioned, they're calculated gambles. So yeah. Um, will he always have that in the NBA? Probably not. But I think with what you're mentioning, it's very balanced. Like he's really thinking this through. And honestly, he may not even gamble as much like when he gets to conference play. Like you said, like right. you've yeah. some of these schools sound made up, <laughs> right? So you know, like like look, they just honestly, like some of these kids, they're just not the athletes, not the basketball players that you're going to get against Baylor. So you could take more chances because you know that it's not going to hurt you as much if something goes wrong. And that's just the reality. It's going to be different, you know, when you're playing a a good school and conference potentially, but um, I'm not worried about it. I'm actually, I think it's a positive that, that he can uh, be a pest and, and get in the passing lanes and get deflections and just be handsy overall. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I'm with you. And I think overall, what we're saying is we definitely like this guy as a defender. There is a lot to like about him, a lot to get excited about him. I think, obviously, as you mentioned, we're a little nitpicky right now in different areas we think he can improve. It's just for me with the shot blocking, I thought like, you know, guy his size with his, you know, quote unquote wingspan. Um, And also just like his energy and all that stuff. Like I thought he'd have more than three blocks so far, but the season is long. The season is long and that might change. So. Yeah, definitely a nitpick on my end. And another thing, like, yeah, again, I, I'm going off on saying not to compare him to Scotty Barnes, but mm. I'm going to make another little quick comparison right. to Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes' lack of shot blocking was something that I nitpicked last year with Scotty, too. And, like, I actually think it's a, it was a legitimate nitpick, but clearly it hasn't, you know, been an issue. or Because sometimes it's like, we so want to say what can't this guy do instead of this is what this guy does so well. Right. And he does do things defensively so well that it's like, all right, he doesn't need to be a shot blocker. Not everybody can be the complete package. So, yeah, I'm with you, dude. All right. Any, anything else defensively that you want to hit on Kendall Brown? No, in my notes, I had footwork, jabby hands, good anticipation, 
will like him, like you said, attack the boards more. No, I, I think I'm good. I think overall, I just the, the versatility is what's going to sell him. I think teams are going to be well, really interested in that versatility. Speaking of selling, mm-hmm. it's oh. about that time. It's about that time. Albert, please sell me this pen on Kendall Brown. Kendall Brown's a really easy pen to sell. Um, I think if you are a team that it it really doesn't matter where you are as a team, if you're looking to rebuild, if you're a playoff contender, wherever you are on that spectrum in terms of competitiveness, uh, you're going to want a guy like Kendall Brown. Kendall Brown is, I think what we're ultimately trying to get at right now is going to eventually be like a supreme Swiss army knife, a guy who's going to offer you a variety of things on offense. He can lead the break in transition. He can finish uh, in transition very well, pass in transition, even in the half court. He's a guy that's going to be moving all over the court. He's not going to be a stand in the corner and twiddle his thumbs type of guy. He's going to offer you a lot. We think he's a developing shooter who will not maybe will not ever have the numbers that he has right now. Uh, on the next level, but a guy who's working on it that is developing. I think there are little things in his shot that he's got to clean up. But overall, like he, he offers you so much versatility-wise as an offensive player and defensive player with him being able to guard up to four or five positions um, and you know, obviously going to get you a ton of steals and maybe potentially stocks, right, steals and blocks. So, yeah, I mean, whether you're a rebuilding team or a title contending team, He's the type of guy that you want on your team to develop and eventually become a contributor to wherever you are. So he's kind of an easy sell. Um, If you're an NBA team and you're interested in a good basketball player who can do a wide variety of things, you need to grab Kendall Brown. You know what kind of pen he reminds me of? He reminds me of one of those pens that have like the the five different colors, right? (laughs) It's like, what do you need? Red, blue, black? green purple yeah he could he could do whatever for you he could fill that Mm -hmm. need he could fill that role for your team and that's what i love about him so i mean you had him top 10 that sounds like a buy i i think i've talked myself into bumping him up the board i had him at at 16 you know like it's hard to see like why wouldn't you take him in the lottery right maybe that speaks to my love affair of some of these other guys Mm. that i have in front of him but yeah, I think that Kendall Brown is going to be a guy who continues to rise up draft boards. I think by the end of this, he's probably going to be a consensus top 10 guy. Right now, he's not far off, 12.6. But who knows how how high he could climb. I think that it could be pretty high. It could be top 10. He can get into the top seven. I think with with some strong play, some, this, this efficiency, not even just he could the efficiency could drop off a little bit but just being that efficient athletic versatile do it all utility guy i see a bright bright future and and plenty of hype building up for Kendall Brown throughout the draft it's going to be fun to cover him throughout this process and and check in on him and see where we're at um all right albert uh tell the people where they could find you and what you're working on uh for no ceilings uh, you guys can find me at Alberto Gim. You can find me at GTG NBA on Twitter. Um, I put up all kinds of stuff on my Twitter account, dude. I've, I'm super into F1, super into soccer, super into football. basketball. Yeah. Football stuff. I, I'm all over the, I'm all over the globe. I just, 
I'm a weird sports nerd, so I post like about sports? all types of stuff. I do. I do. And then I love my succession. But anyway, um, that's where you find me on the internet. What I'm working on right now, obviously, guys, as we mentioned before, we dropped our No Ceilings Collective Big Board, and we're actually going to post something else about that big board very soon, right? A little teaser there. Um, I'm dropping today, my... If, you're, out if the, you're listening to this, it's today. That's true. It is today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, working on Taking Out the Trash Volume 3, which will be dropping this Thursday. I will be exclusively talking about uh, Julian Strother. I uh, want to talk about Julian Strother from Gonzaga, the wing. Um, obviously... Like just as like a little pre whatever we Kendall Brown is in the top 10 for me because he's so versatile. But when I'm looking at guys that are like in the twenties, right at the end of the first round, I want guys who are like are going to be either like who are going to be really bona fide, good at one certain thing. So Strother is kind of like one of those guys for me. I, I like him a lot. So I'm writing about him. Um, and I think that's pretty much it. Very nice. Very nice. Um, yeah, we're we're gonna have uh, you know kind of like a roundtable discussion on our big board. Uh, that's gonna be coming out in the next couple of days. I'm going to see Jaden Ivy on Thursday in person behind the Rutgers bench. I'm very excited about that. Number one team in the country, Purdue. Top five pick, Jaden Ivy. So getting to see him in person up close is gonna be. Uh, Really exciting. It's it's going to be really exciting because, you know, anytime you can see a guy up close, it adds a little bit something to the evaluation and getting to see him. So, you know, so close uh, as I'll be. Shout out to my guy, Frankie, for hooking me up. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. So I'll probably be writing something about Jaden Ivey. And then, um, you know, I've, I, I really, I think I, after I, I write something about Ivy, I really want to cover Peyton Watson. Why we should continue to believe, and what his role could possibly be in an, an evolving NBA. I don't know. I haven't. Wow. I've, I'm workshopping it. So uh, a lot of good stuff at the No Ceilings. You know, from the No Ceilings crew, Nathan's continuing to bang out the morning dunks. Yeah. I mean, the whole team. Alex did an awesome piece on. Taryn Armstrong, the mm-hmm. Australian playmaking wizard from uh, Cal Baptist. I mean, we're just covering every base imaginable at No Ceilings. So subscribe to the No Ceilings Substack, noceilings.substack.com. Uh, subscribe to the No Ceilings podcast as well if you haven't. If you're a fan of the Draft Act podcast, uh, listen to the No Ceilings podcast hosted by uh, Tyler Metcalf with a rotating roundtable of guests. We're going to do a Twitter Spaces soon. Mm-hmm which is going to be excited, uh, exciting. So uh, we hope that you all participate in that. You're going to have to follow, you know, uh, myself, Albert, and the No Ceilings team at No Ceilings NBA. And that's all the plugging and annoying, you know, things that we're going to have to say today. Um, rate us, five star, leave a comment, share, five. all that good stuff. Appreciate you guys rocking with us. Another episode of the Draft Act. We'll be back next week. We out. Peace.